Good morning. As you can see that we are highly affected this morning by a lot of illness in the church. There's a lot of people that are out sick. I mean a sack full. And here's the deal. There's a lot going around, so I promise you it will not hurt our feelings. If you're sick, then if you need to stay at home. Uh, I, I say that because I was telling this morning in our Sunday school catechism class that <clears throat> if you remember, when we first moved here in 2019, I got sick on a Saturday and I, I felt really bad. And I prayed and I said, God, just give me the strength to get through this day and to be able to uh, preach the next morning. Well, if you remember, I stood up here and preached, and I ended up having the flu, and I took half the church out. So <clears throat> I pray that if you are feeling ill, as you can see, the church is, is empty in a lot of spots. We have a lot of sickness, so look, if you're sick, we understand. Let us know how we can pray for you, but please, please be safe, and let's pray for those that are out today. I mean, there are a lot. we were counting this morning before church, it's like 10 families that are affected by illness in some way, shape, form, or fashion. So let's play, pray for them, please. But I thank you so much for being here today, for joining us online. It is good to be back, and thank you, Justin, for filling in for me last week as we were able to spend some time with our grandson, granddaughter, and our kids in Pennsylvania. I wanted to conclude our series in the book of Jonah, and next week we'll begin our Christmas series, but I wanted to close out with something I think that a lot of us have done and it is a very dangerous thing and that's be angry with God. Uh, I, I can tell you that I have been angry with God and, and to be quite honest I'm sure that each one of you have but it is a very dangerous thing because He is the Creator, the Sustainer, He is righteous, we are not and what we will look at this morning in the final chapter is a prophet who was mad at God. If you have your Bibles, I ask that you turn with me to Jonah chapter 4, Jonah chapter 4, and I ask that you stand with me as we read the Word. Jonah chapter 4, as we read the Word. But it greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was this not what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and, and one who relents concerning calamity. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. The Lord said, Do you have good reason to be angry? Then Jonah went out from the city and sat east of it, there he made a shelter for himself and sat under it, the shade, until he could see what would happen to the city. So the Lord God appointed a plant, and it grew up over Jonah to shade over his head and deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. But God appointed a worm when dawn came the next day and attacked the plant, and it withered. When the sun came up, God appointed a scorching east wind. And the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint and begged with all his soul to die, saying, Death is better to me than life. Then God said to Jonah, Do you have good reason to be angry with the plant? And he said, I have good reason to be angry. 
even to death. Then the Lord said, you have compassion on the plant for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. Should I, have, should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right and their left hand, as well as many animals? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. God, may we grow and see that, Lord, you are a God that's in control. You are the true, holy, living God in charge of all things. Lord, open our hearts and our minds, not only to have compassion for others, but Lord, lighten us a fire to evangelize, to tell the good news of your Son, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, you may be seated. Now, I named this story a bad attitude and a burnt head, or this sermon. You see, if I've stated before, as Jonah would be called to go to the Ninevites, which really the Ninevites, the Nineveh, the capital city of Assyria, uh, was a people that had oppressed the Jews. And as I'd said before, that God calls Jonah out of the northern kingdom to go into Nineveh and preach the gospel. Now this is what I find very interesting. If you will look at text throughout all the prophets, if all the prophets other than Jonah, would have had the response that he had, they would have rejoiced. Have you ever thought about that? Take Jeremiah, for instance. This man who would preach and he would lament over his people. And he had if maybe two, con maybe, okay? And we look at a man who devoted his life for the service of God. We take Isaiah, we take Habakkuk, we take the New Testament with Peter, Paul, Thomas, all these prophets and all these disciples whose desire was to share the good news of Jesus Christ, to share the holy and righteous knowledge of God, would have rejoiced to see 120,000 people repent. But Jonah gets mad. And I want you to look at why he gets mad at God. And I want to show you how this is applicable to us. You see, Jonah first gets mad. If we look at the first verses, he gets mad because of God's attributes. Now think about this for a few moments. He said it greatly displeased Jonah. The previous chapter said Nineveh repented, remember? This greatly displeased Jonah. Now, he gets so mad about it that he wants to die. Kill me, God. These Ninevites repented. Now, what this may seem silly and foolish to you, we must understand that it applies to us very interestingly. Now, listen to me. First of all, number one, he gets mad at the attributes of God. Look what he says. Please, Lord. Was this not what I said while I was still in my own country? I knew you were like this, O oh God. I knew you were compassionate. I knew that you were slow to anger. I knew that you were abundant loving kindness. I knew that you would relent concerning this calamity. The same thing that the psalmist praised God for, Jonah gets mad about. He gets mad because of the compassion of God. Let me put it to you another way. 
Jonah got mad because he didn't like the people that God saved. Now, you may say in his defense, well, take into consideration, Chad, that they were Assyrian, they were Ninevites, and they were oppressing his people. But the Bible tells me in Ezekiel chapter 33 that God does not take pleasure in the punishment of the wicked. You think about this. Regardless of who a people are, God still saves. And what Jonah was preaching was a message that there is wrath coming. It was an eight-worded sermon. And they repent. And he gets mad about it. He gets mad with the same attributes that he wants himself. Now think about this for a few moments. Now, Chad, how could that ever apply to me? Well, let me tell you. Have you ever got mad because God did something for somebody else that he didn't do for you? Just think about this for a few moments. You talk about those people that are evil. Oh, they deserve to go to hell. I hope they burn like a crispy piece of bacon. Come on. Let's be real here. How many people you've been mad at and you're so thankful that God brought that heat down upon them? And in your mind, you are thinking to yourself, oh, I sure am glad finally they're getting theirs. They're suffering. You know, you're not saying too much, so I have to believe you agree with me. Well, we can tell we got a lot of families out. Some of those that say amen ain't here. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about. You see, I think a lot of evangelists do this too. They love the wrath of God, and they want to see his hand shone down upon them. But they get mad when he doesn't. You see, I want you to understand this. Whether it is a foreign nation whether it is another people, whether it's the most evil person that ever walked the face of the earth, they're no different than you. God did not come to make good man better. He came to make dead men live. Every one of us are dead in our own transgressions. You may say, well, I'm not a murderer. That's all right. If you thought about killing somebody, you are. Well, I'm not an adulterer. If you looked at a woman or man lustfully, you are. It's not about what you have done, it's about what you are. And we are all born depraved. And all are born with a God-sized hole that only he could fill. But Jonah wanted these people who had oppressed his people to pay the mighty wrath of God. He's angry because of God's loving kindness. You know what gets me about this? If you think about this with Jonah, here this missionary is that is mad about the attributes of God. He's married, mad about God's loving kindness. He said, I knew that you would do this. You know what he's telling God and how this applies to us too? God, you're wasting my time. Why should I go? Why should I go share the good news? I know that you're going to say what you're going to say. If I don't do it, somebody else will. God, I don't understand. You're merciful. You're kind. Somebody else to do it. God has never called a single human being to be idle. And don't ever forget that. And the same God that we praise for his love and kind and mercy that saved us can save anyone. Amen? 
So he's mad about the attributes of God, the loving kindness of God. But let's look a little further. He's also angry, number two, because he didn't get his way. Now this is one of my favorite here. Have you ever gone to the store and seen that child that some parent has that don't get the toy that they want? And they begin to pitch a little fit. And they begin to have that tantrum. Man, I tell you what, me, Tiffany and I went to Lowe's. It's been many years ago and we were there and this kid was showing out. And I'm over there looking at plumbing items, standing with my wife, minding my own business, and this child walks up to me and kicks me right in the shin. For no reason. Just something to do. He wasn't behaving there, and his dad said, don't do that. I said, buddy, I, I thought to myself, let me have him for about an hour. <laughs> but I didn't say nothing, but anyway... He would throw himself on the ground. He would throw things off the shelf and he had a little temper tantrum because he didn't get what he wanted. So not only did he throw a temper tantrum, he went and kicked a complete stranger in the shin. You see, this is what Jonah's having, a temper tantrum. Because the Bible says, look what it says. This is, this is beautiful. He says, I know you slow to anger. Therefore, Lord, take my life. I'm mad. And God says, do you have good reason to be angry? Are you really angry because I'm showing mercy to these people? But look what it says. Then Jonah went out from the city and sat east of it. There he made a shelter for himself and sat under the shade until he could see what would happen to the city. Think about this. This man wants so much wrath to come upon these people, he wants himself a ringside seat to see it. Have you thought of, ever thought about that? Every one of us at times want to have a ringside seat to see somebody else in their misery when they've done you wrong. You want that ringside seat. That's what Jonah did. You see, you don't learn this in Sunday school, do you? You learn about the fish in the deep blue sea. But as Paul Harvey often said, now let's hear the rest of the story. You see, he built him a shelter in hopes that God would bring wrath upon these Assyrian people. And then he gets mad about that. You see, he has a temper tantrum. He has that poochy lip syndrome because he wants his way and his way alone. You know what it reminds me of? When I was a kid, there used to be what was called the Bugs Ruddy Roadrunner Show. I could not help but think of this example when I was thinking of the story. Remember the little guy that wore the Roman helmet in the converse? Marvin the Martian. Marvin the Martian. He said, you make me angry, angry indeed. I'm going to disintegrate you with my X1 modulator. Remember him? <laughs> you make me angry, angry indeed. And his little gun, he'd shoot people with it. I couldn't help but think about that. And you say, well, Chad, that's silly. No, that's exactly what it is. It's silly. Because how many times do we get mad at God because we didn't get our way? You ever thought about that? You know, I sometimes have struggled with that. 
to God, I see things that are happening to people that should not be. Why does it seem they always trip into money? Oh, you know you said it. Why does it seem that they always get all the good things? They get all the materialistic things. Seems like nobody's ever sick. Everything always goes their way. God, I'm ready for that, as I said Wednesday night, for that guy that I used to talk with, want that linebacker to come and just nail him upside the head. They deserve it, don't they? When, oh God, is it going to be their time? And then when it doesn't happen to them and it happens to you, you pout and get mad at God. Because I didn't get my way. You know, I, I cannot help but think of Jonah and think to myself that here this is a human being who is mad because he didn't get his way was shown grace as well. You see, here's the, another moral of the story that I think we miss. God didn't have to have that whale puke him up on shore. He could have drowned and died. But the same person, and this is what makes the sin greater, the same person that knew the attributes of God smacked God in the face when he was a part of them. You see, the one thing that we have to understand is there is times when the wicked would prosper. There are times when the righteous, to the best of their ability led by the Holy Spirit, will be sick. There will be times when people die. There will be those who will lose their homes. There will be those that we consider good that will go through a lot of trouble. And there'll be times in our own life that we look at our own self and our own nation and go, when, oh God, is going to be our time. Habakkuk did that as well. But to understand this, what we have to understand with this text, there's a reason we don't always get our way. Because God's way is better than our way. We don't see what he sees. God has a purpose. It is not for us to know the plans of God is for up to us to be obedient to what he's called us to do. Big difference. So how do you react when you don't get your way? Do you throw a temper tantrum? Do you get mad and want to build a shed and want to see the ringside event of what's about to happen? He was mad because of what God had done. He was mad because he didn't get his way or what God didn't do. But I want you to look at number three. He was also angry because God had the right to take away. Listen. The Bible says that when he went out from the city and made shade over it, so the Lord appointed a plant and it grew up over Jonah to be shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. Okay. But God appointed a worm when dawn came the next day and attacked it and the plant and it withered. And when the sun came up, God appointed a scorching east wind. And the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint and begged with all of his soul, saying, Death is better to me than life. And God said, Do you have a good reason to be angry about the plant? 
This is twice he has his little temper tantrum and wants to die. You see, he got mad of what God had taken away. But this is what I want you to understand. God will remove things from our life for a purpose. The purpose he removed it from Jonah was to tell him this, and I want everybody to listen to this very carefully, that the God being God of who he is has the right to give and he has the right to take away as he so pleases. Period. He that giveth in an instant can taketh away. You say, well, Chad, that's not right. Why does he deserve that right? Does Jonah have a right to be upset? Well, let me tell you about a man named Job. That he lost everything that he had. And God in chapters 39 would say, Who are you that darkens my counsel without knowledge? Are you the one that makes the seas come this forward and tells them to go back? Are you the one that causes the sun to rise and the sun to set? You see, the problem that we have is when we want God to do things our way, and essentially what we're saying is we want to be God. That's essentially what you're doing. I want to be God. I want things my way. Here this plant is, God. What gives you the right to take it away? And God tells him, I'm the one that planted it. And I have a right to destroy it. Now look what he says. Now this is very beautiful here. Look. He wants to get, he, now he wants to die. Now that, think about this. And again, we haven't learned this in Sunday school. And this is something that you've got to ponder and think about. Do you ever remember reading that this man is so mad because these people repented, he's so mad that he's in the sun that he wants to die? How much bitterness can you have in your heart that you wish God would bring wrath upon somebody and you don't rejoice when they get saved? Luke 15 tells me a very interesting story. He will start off with a parable of the sheep, then the parable of the coin, and how angels rejoice when one person comes into repentance. You see, if you really look at this scripture, I'm going to tell you why he is called the prodigal prophet. Okay? Yes, he went back and did what God told him to do, but I want you to think about this. <clears throat> you see, the story of the prodigal son is a beautiful story about this young man who wanted his way and he wanted it now. He wanted his inheritance. So he leaves. His father says, okay, here's your money, go. He takes the money and goes. He squanders his money on everything that this world could probably fill him. And he was never satisfied. He ends up feeding pigs and eating with them. And he says, you know, I'd be better if I went to eat the, eat, eat the servant's food. So he goes back. And I shared this a couple of weeks ago, but his father runs to meet him. Now listen. And there again, he would have had to pull up his tunic and run to him, exposing his legs. It's a different story for a different day. But listen, his father had compassion upon him because once what was lost, listen, is now found. What was once dead now lives. But here's not the rest of the story. You see, the Bible tells me that he had a brother. 
And his brother gets mad because the father, the father is treating this one that was dead really well and prepares a banquet for him. And the brother gets mad. Now listen, who does this sound like? Wait a minute. I've been here with you, Father, this whole time. <coughs> and yet, <coughs> excuse me, we're preparing a feast for this one. What is up with that? Father said, you've always been with me. But we have one that was gone. And now he's back. Angels rejoice over one soul when it comes to repentance. Not only was one soul saved, 120,000 people. That's worth rejoicing people. But in his heart, he was so bitter that he was mad because the wrath of God did not come down. Let me tell you another more of this story. The same wrath that the Ninevites got, should have got in his eyes he should have got his well, and so should we. There's none of us righteous. No, not one. But yet God is compassionate. Now listen. I want you to think about this. We've all been angry with God. But let me assure you that none of us are justified in doing so. And being angry is a dangerous thing. So what is the root cause of his anger? Number one, selfishness. Selfishness. God tells him very clearly, you, you had compassion on the plant, which you did not grow. And now you're upset. You had compassion on the plant, but you didn't have compassion on the people. Now think about this. He had compassion on the plant. Why? Because it was benefit to him. He got use out of it. He got the shade. See, all bitterness is rooted in selfishness. You say, Chad, I don't believe you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because we're the ones that's been bad justice. We're the ones that's received the bad deal. We're the ones that don't get our way. We're the ones that are suffering for this. We're the ones that have had to trek across a whole countryside and preach to these people. How dare they repent? Do you know not what I've done, God? I know what it's like to be rooted in Selfishness. I know what it's like to raise my finger and say, boy, it's a mighty thing that you've done. Then it's very quick to me that, you know what, who are you serving to glorify, yourself or God? Number one, this bitterness is rooted in selfishness. Number two, listen to me very clearly, it's also rooted in self-righteousness. Here's what kills me. This is a book about evangelism. I, 
If I were to ask you if there's certain people you don't like to talk to, I guarantee you there's a few people that would cross your mind that you don't like. I guarantee you there's that person at work that you got an issue with. There's a person in your family that you got a problem with. There's that cousin, that relative, that telemarketer, whatever it may be, that you don't like. I'm better than they are. I've shared this illustration several times. I think it's applicable to share it again until I get a new one. I won't have anyone to this to say, but anyway. I was a lost man at this time, and I used to help the church that we attended many years ago. They did a thing like a car wash and an oil for moms or whatever it was. Of course, to be quite honest with you, I went because Tiffany made me. I don't lie to you. Which, as a side note, when Christ changes you, you want to change. Amen? Okay. And what happened was there was this lady there that was always better than everybody else. She'd only speak to people that was in her circle of friends. The rest of the world didn't matter. And there was a family that came that they struggled. They were real poor. But they served the church more than anybody. So let me tell you something. They were the richest people there. And I'll never forget them coming up and that woman standing. I was, I was lost, okay? And it still makes an impression on me. 25 years later, that she's standing there and she goes, oh, here they come. They had to pull out them nasty people. Can't believe it here. They have to pull up. Oh, my. They just get on my nerves so bad. And when they walked up, she said, Hey, how y'all doing? It's so good to see you. I was lost. And I told my wife, It might be good that I leave this place. Let me tell you something. Listen to me good. Never eye on me. You are no better or I am no better than a soul. We are God's creation. And in our birth, because of Adam, we have chose to run from our sin or chose to run in our sin than run to Christ. Every one of us, whether you're rich, whether you're poor, whether you're black, whether you're white, whether you're Asian, whether you're from another country, whether you're Jew or Gentile, you are born dead. And regardless of whatever your financial or social status is, you deserve the wrath of God. But yet in His mercy and His grace sent His Son Jesus and poured His wrath upon Him that we may be reconciled to the Father. And it's available to all people. We do not have the right to pick and choose who we think should be saved. And I'm going to tell you something. I've never forgot that, because I'll be honest with you. I don't think that woman was saved at all that said that. But Chad, you being judgmental. Well, the Bible tells me in 1 Corinthians 5, well, we'll get into that another day. 
What was it Paul Washer said? People love to tell him, judge not lest you be judged. And he says, twist not thou scripture lest you be Satan. That family was created in the same image of God as the rest of us were. That is self-righteousness, to think we're better than anybody else. Because I can assure you that there's no amount of money, nor no amount of things that's going to save you and make you right standing before God. You see, that was the problem with Jonah. He was overwhelmed by selfishness and self-righteousness. But let me tell you the rest of the rest of the story. Next slide, please. He says, should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right hand and their left hand, as well as many animals? Here's the rest of the rest of the story. Listen good. God gets the final word in this story. God has the final word. You see, we don't know whether Jonah repented or not. We believe he did because of this book is written. We believe he did. First-hand story of his own foolishness. But when I think about this book and bringing it into a close, and then I could not think of a more appropriate book to me and my eyes as I'm going to the next series for Christmas to think about this. Spoiler alert. You see, when Jesus was born, God showed himself to a bunch of shepherds. They were the poorest of the poor. They smelt like sheep. They camped out on the ground, probably smelled like smoke. And it's probably somebody the religious people didn't want to show up around. Them stinking old shepherds. But not only did he show up to those shepherds who were considered the lowest standard in the Hebrew community, but man, he showed up to some wise men. These people who are astrologers, soothsayers from another country, here's the deal. He showed himself to Jews and Gentiles. For I bring you great good news that shall be for all people. As Jonah gets upset because these wicked people repent, brothers and sisters, let's have an attitude to go into this world and say they will not turn to their, from their wickedness until God convicts them. And if we preach the good news of Jesus Christ and he that was once wicked become saved. They are now our brothers. And God is still in the saving business today. I don't care how much somebody dislikes you. Let me tell you this, or how much you dislike somebody. I don't care how much you dislike or like your husband or spouse. You know, it always amazed me that people used to tell me when we'd go, go through marriage counseling that, you know, I believe I can change my spouse. <laughs> Yeah, that don't work out for you. <laughs> Let me tell you something. There's no human being that's going to change me, nor you. But Jesus Christ brings change. 
And he who saves and cleanses is my brother. And I am to rejoice when the most wicked person in the world comes to know Jesus Christ. I am, I am to rejoice when he who the world seems morally great rejoices. Because regardless of what the world says you are, everybody is dead until Jesus Christ brings you back to life. And we're to rejoice in that. Amen? To God be the glory, great things He have done. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day. We thank You for the message that we find in this prodigal prophet. Lord, I can see Jonah and I can identify with that. Lord, I can identify with it big time. I think all of us can. But we've got to come to an understanding that You give us the final word. Lord, you are faithful in all things. You are true. You are righteous. As the one evangelist said, the three words that should shake us to the core is God is good. And people would say, why should that shake us to the core? Because we're not. But yet God in your wonderful attributes of loving kindness, mercy, and grace, you give us your Son and poured the wrath upon Him, that which we deserved. And God, you didn't call to make bad men good or good men better. You sent Jesus that dead men could become alive. Lord, we pray today, as we start our Christmas series, we come to the understanding that if there wouldn't have been a birth, there wouldn't have been a death. And if there wouldn't have been a death, there'd been no hope for mankind. But praise your holy name to you be the glory, great things you have done through your son Jesus Christ. God, may we have an urgency to share the good news of your Son. Lord, we pray for this church. If there's one here today that is not a born-again believer, the Lord, you would convict their heart before it's eternally too late. Lord, I can't save a soul. I can't change anybody. But God, I believe that when you save us, you cleanse us and create in us a new nature. And Lord, we are faithful to you and we persevere. One day we'll live with you in eternity. God, I thank you so much for that. God, I pray that if there's those here that are saved, that are struggling, that, Lord, you would convict their hearts. Lord, it's not a great thing to be in misery. Lord, there's times as believers we know what you've called us to do. But, Lord, sometimes we're all bullheaded. God, I pray that, Lord, you would soften our hearts. Because I don't care who you are, where you've been, or what you've been through. God, we're all called for a purpose. And God, may you be glorified in all things. Use us as your instruments. You don't need us. You don't need our money. But God, you have told us and taught us that we're to be obedient and faithful and completely trust in you. God, I pray for the sickness that has just encompassed this church. God, there's so many people out. And whether they're at home on TV or, and watching, or whether they're in bed struggling with fever or sickness or disease, whatever it may be, God, I pray that you bring a peace upon them that only you can give. That God, we get in our heads and in our hearts here at Living Way Community Church that if our purpose to exist was to reach one person, then glory be to your name. 
And it's not about filling pews with people, but about filling people with Christ. And Lord, we pray that you would be glorified in all things. Give us an urgency to share the good news. And we'll give you the praise and glory for it. And all God's people said, stand and worship with us, please. Mm -hmm.